Hello everyone, welcome back to the Social Work Bubble podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. My name is Laura. I am a therapist in New York City. I work in an outpatient mental health clinic. I have my BSW and my MSW. I also have my associates in human services. Um, Before we get started, don't forget to like, comment, share, follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, and we'll dive in. So today, I was going to do a podcast on the very difficult week that I just had. But I decided not to do that (laughs) Um, and do a more boring podcast, I guess, about paperwork because I think it's something that we need to talk about. And I also feel like I've talked enough about stress, about burnout, about self-care. You know, we'll, we'll save a rough week for another day. I think I've talked about it enough already. Um... But as a therapist, particularly in a nonprofit outpatient mental health clinic, there is so much paperwork, so much for quite some time. Not, I wouldn't say quite some time, but after the pandemic had been going on for a while, my personal mental health really started to tank. Um... I wasn't taking care of myself, I was really lagging in my work, and I started to notice a huge, huge decline in my productivity and my motivation and my time management and getting my paperwork done. I might have mentioned this in the podcast about burnout. Um, Those were a couple of the things I noticed that actually were clues for me. Hey, Laura, you're burned out. Um, and so some things, obviously dealing with burnout is a whole other thing, but dealing with paperwork is rough, whether you're burnt out, whether you're not. And I finally feel like I've had some, like I've gotten some footing and what it looks like for me. So I don't think today will be a super long podcast. I think it'll just be, you know, pretty efficient and, um, talking about, Kind of what documentation and paperwork is required by therapists, um, what that can look like. In the future, I'm hoping to do some YouTube videos or blog posts about specific um, like templates of documentation, but today we'll kind of just start with the basics and then how I manage all of it. So for my work, um, like I said, I'm in an outpatient community mental health clinic. So basically, let's just use a client as an example. Let's say I have a client come into the clinic for an intake session. So an intake session is usually about 60 minutes long. We get all the background, we get all the information, whether it's mental health, medical, childhood, family, substance use, former treatment, medications, underlying conditions, abuse, um, anything, basically every detail about their life that they're willing to share. Um, That's also where it's good to screen for safety, screen for any substance use, screen for any concerns, whether it's um, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, and safety plan during that time. So you have the intake session. At my agency, they've just um, restricted these rules even more because we're in a certain time frame for billing purposes and insurance purposes. So we have our intake session and we have to have the complete 
biopsychosocial intake assessment done that day within 24 hours. Um, it, I think that's how it used to be too. Um, I'm not sure though, but I'm actually going to pull up, you know, everything that's in, eh, I'm not going to, it, but I'll just say this, it's long. It is a lengthy assessment and it takes quite some time to fill out because the way that my office is shaped, um, I would be facing away from my client during the intake session, typing on my computer, and that's not cool. I don't like that. So what I do is I actually handwrite during the intake session. I think it's important during that first session to write. And every other session, I'd say writing during the session is not good for rapport. It's, I mean, it can, it can just not be helpful, right? But I do think it's important because there's so much information and assessment happening in the intake. You don't want to miss anything. We're doing like a comprehensive biopsychosocial. So I do prefer writing during that time. I mean, of course, you still want to use those active listening skills. I still pause. There are still moments. And I'm not writing vigorously. I think a lot of the times I'm writing notes that'll also help jog my memory, right? So kind of just general topics. If we get into medications, if we get into former treatment or, you know, different providers' names and agencies, if we get into like some serious like family dynamic things that I know I'm going to have to have laid out for myself, then I'll write those a little bit further. But when I do write in the intake assessment, I try to keep it brief. So we have that. It's pretty lengthy. It has to be handed in within 24 hours. And then after that, I guess the three major things is progress notes, treatment plans, and incidental notes. So for me, what that means is the treatment plan at my agency is due within the first 30 days of the intake assessment. And so for our treatment plans, we have to have two to three goals followed by, and each goal has to have, I believe, three objectives. Um, And this is totally not what they taught us in school. But for my agency, I think this goes by OMH, the Office of Mental Health, their changed guidelines, which I think is interesting. Um, But the goals and the objectives for my agency both have to be specific measurable within a certain time of what whatever the rest of the smart goals things is. Um, and then the objectives are the same way so everything has to be written in that format and there also has to be a part where it's in my client's words so in a future video like I said I'll dive more into exactly what that can look like um but the treatment plan they're due within 30 days and then we have progress notes progress notes Um, are kind of the main note as a therapist. Intake notes only happen once typically with a client unless they return to treatment, whether it's after a large amount of time or if it's with a different provider after a certain amount of time. 
they might redo the intake assessment. Um, and then treatment plans at my agency used to be done every three months. And recently they changed it to once a year, which is a huge shift and has been a huge help in me staying on top of my paperwork. I mean, I'm sure you guys can imagine, right? Having to rewrite a treatment plan. I have 50 clients on my caseload. Having to do 50 treatment plans, um, one treatment plan for all my clients every three months, crazy, absolutely crazy. So having that shift to once a year has... I mean, wow, really lifted that workload. Um, and then we have the, like I said, the progress notes, which is just like the note on every therapy session. So every week you meet with the client for 45 minutes, um, then you do a progress note uh, based on, you know, what the session contained. Um, part of the progress notes at my agency also can include a mental statics exam, um, a substance use assessment safety assessment, things like that as well, are included in every session's progress note. And then incidental notes are, um, I think, a, honestly, more accurate name would be contact notes. So I fill out an incidental note any time I talk with a client outside of their therapy session. The only time I don't do this, I guess it depends on the client, I try to be as thorough as I can. Um, but if I do like reminder calls or something, I don't really do an incidental note for that unless it's a client that has been very iffy with their engagement in therapy. Like they've missed a whole bunch of sessions. Perhaps they're also high risk or they're mandated for services. I make sure that I have incidental notes in there that are saying, I called this client, left a voicemail, I sent a warning notice, I sent this letter to them saying, you know, when our next session is, I texted them here, I left another voicemail. So that way there's documentation of that. I try to do it with all of my clients, but I certainly prioritize ones where, you know, having that documentation is all the more important. Because like I said, I have 50 clients, so it can be hard. Um, and I think... In terms of documentation, that is all the important ones, at least, from, from what I know. Um, so how do I, with a 50-client caseload, how do I deal with all that? Because it's certainly a lot. Um, well, first, I think the basic part is your schedule. So the way that you lay out your schedule can be a huge factor in how you get your paperwork done. So for example, some days, let's say on Mondays, Mondays I work from 11 to 8, and what my Mondays look like is I have a session at 11 for 45 minutes, at 12 for 45 minutes, I have supervision at 1 o'clock for about an hour, usually we might get done a little early, um, and then from 2 to 8, I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, I have 8 therapy sessions from 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. back to back, so in between those sessions, I do not have a break, I go, I have a session from 2 o'clock to 2.45, from 2.45 to 3.30, from 3.30 to 4.15, so on and so forth, back to back 45 minute sessions, from two to eight o'clock. On other days, for example, my Fridays, my Friday I work from 11 to eight and I have sessions every hour on the hour 
but they're 45 minutes long. So I have 15 minutes in between each session. And so what that means is during those 15 minutes, that's when I have time to do my progress note for the session I just had so I can get it done out of the way super quick. Now, that's an ideal scenario. (laughs) Um, What can happen, because I do have a lot of clients and I am quite busy a lot of the time, is I might not um, be able to do my note during that 15-minute period because I have to have a phone call or a conference call. I have to call another provider. I have to send in and complete a referral or other kind of paperwork. Maybe that's when I'm going to just real quick do a treatment plan. Maybe that's when I'm doing reminder calls. You know, so those 15 minutes I like to have in between my sessions, ideally, So that way I can do my notes, do the other phone calls, and all of that. I have been able, with practice, it used to take me forever to do a progress note because I had no idea what I was doing. But now, in 15 minutes, you know, if I have to use those increments for something else, like some of the things I just mentioned, checking my email, whatever it is, returning phone calls, reaching out to people 10 million different times because they're not on top of it, (laughs) um... I'm thinking about a, like a particular doctor, but that's that doesn't matter. Um, I've really been able with a lot of practice to be able to do a progress note in probably five minutes, probably like five to eight minutes. And so if I do miss like a 15 minute increment, the next one that I have, I'm able to get both of the progress notes done for the session and the one that I had not done a note for yet. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, so I think ideally in terms of getting a handle on paperwork and documentation, if you are able to within your schedule to have gaps within sessions, it doesn't have to be every single session you have 15 minutes afterwards, although I do recommend that, especially for boundaries, for balance, for, you know, not being burnt out. I certainly recommend that, Um, but maybe you're on a tight schedule and you got to squeeze in some clients and you're not able to have those gaps in between because that's how it is for me on a couple of days a week. Um, Having time afterwards that's blocked off. So even maybe you put like a group of three clients back to back for 45 minute sessions and then after that you have 15 minutes right and then you have another cluster of three and then after that you have a break I mean that could also be effective for you too right so you're still getting those gaps it's not a long gap it's only 15 minutes right but it's it's giving you some time to maybe work through some notes so that's something that I had to learn with my schedule because when I had a lot of clients back to back every single day it was just not functioning for me (laughs) emotionally in terms of my documentation, it was not working. Um, So a big part also was just my motivation. Um, In the office and my productivity in the office, uh, working remotely and then working in the office, we do kind of like a mixed bag during the week. So I work in the office Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 11 to 8. And I find I'm way more motivated and productive when I'm in the office. I personally think I could be just as productive at home, but I have a really uncomfortable chair that I sit at my desk. And I think, honestly, that's why I'm not as productive. So I just bought another chair, which is nice. That's totally off topic, but 
that could be important. Who knows? Um, so when I am in the office, I do tend to get a lot more work done. I also, like, you have a full-on desktop computer. You know, when I work from home, I just have my laptop. There's something about just, like, a bigger screen, you know, just a, I, I don't know what it is, but something with a setup where I'm just like, yeah, let's get some work done. But I noticed that, you know, particularly on a long day, I might have a few minutes in between sessions and I'm just really procrastinating and I'm putting off doing my notes because I just don't feel like it. Um, and it's in those moments where I really have to tell myself, just get it done, Laura, your future self will thank you for it. You don't want to do this later tonight. Just, just get it done now. So, and that's really knowing what works for you and knowing what doesn't work for you. I've had to learn the hard way that, uh, a lot of the times playing music doesn't work for me. I have found I really have a recent obsession with classical music <laughs> um, because I was just re-watching Pride and Prejudice, both versions, like 10 million times in the last couple of weeks. And that has just spurred this classical music um, obsession that I have. And I've realized, you know, that's some, some great tunes I listen to in the office. It keeps me nice and relaxed and peaceful, but it's not distracting. Um, from my work. If I play other music, I know some people, they like to like maybe watch a show in the background or have a podcast running. I cannot function that way. So big part is know what works for you, right? If you focus better with no distraction, no noise, then don't have distraction and noise in your office as best you can. If you need to put noise canceling headphones on during that 15 minutes to get your work done, go for it, right? If you need to have music on, if you need to have a show in the background, go for it. Do what you got to do because you know what works for you and what doesn't. And I had to really push myself to do that. And, and also, like I said, something that we teach our clients, at least something I teach some of the kiddos and some of the adults is conse consequential thinking, right? So really thinking through, okay, if I go forward with this decision and this choice, what's the outcome going to be? Well, you know, if I put off my notes right now, um, I'm going to have to do them when I get home because I know I'm not going to want to stay later and do them. <laughs> so then I'm going to get home and I'm not going to be able to relax because I still have work left to do. Or I have to stay later tonight and finish this note when I have the time now to get it done. Or, you know, maybe a crisis could come up and I won't have the time I think I'll have later. And so I'll have to get it done now. And so really thinking through how will this help me or hurt me if I, if I make this decision, if I keep procrastinating, if I keep putting things off. On the flip side, sometimes there are spaces and moments where you just can't. You can't do the note. You just, you got to go for a walk. You got to eat your lunch. You have to take care of yourself in those ways. In those moments you do what you need to do, right? You listen to your body, you do the best that you can. So another part of how I stay on top of my notes is during the day, one of the hardest things for me to keep track of is the incidental notes because they really pile up. So I've actually just part of my daily, um, to-do list. I have this section where it's just like, calls I've made that day and I just put the initials of who I talked to um, and then later on I cross it off when I do my notes and I have the same thing in my notebook 
So how I what I like to do is in my planner, which I do use, so I actually just released this digital download planner on my Etsy shop. It's called the Flourishing Therapist Planner. Um, you can find it at the Social Work Bubble Etsy shop. Um, but I love it because on my daily planner, I've laid out um, the daily planner page. It's from 8 to 8 in 15-minute increments. And so you can write down the initials of clients. And I keep all this at work. And I mean, I guess I have to bring it home for when I work remotely. But when I I only cross off a name. So basically, I check mark when they've attended their session. I put an X if it's been canceled or they missed it. And then when I write the progress note, I put a line through their name or through their initials. So I know that's done. At the end of the day, every single day, we have to send in summaries of the clients that we saw and if the progress note is done. And so there is that administrative accountability there because we have to do that every single day. And they recently just changed it to our progress notes have to be done by the end of the day. It used to be within 48 hours, which I honestly preferred, but having a tighter deadline has also allowed me to make sure I'm getting my notes done that day so they're not going over into the next day or the day after that or the day after that or the day after that, which leads me to my next point. Have boundaries for yourself. Have limits for yourself. I used to think, you know, having 48 hours, that's great, right? That's a good amount of time. If things come up, you still have time to get your notes done. Um, and not be late for billing purposes. And I realized that's not something that worked for me because I am a chronic procrastinator. For being such a productive person, I procrastinate a lot. And I know this about myself, but for some reason, it just didn't click that if I was given 48 hours, I would wait the 48 hours, maybe even a little bit more, to get my notes done. And so even though I was kind of annoyed when my agency changed the rules to get them done at the same day by the end of the day, I was super annoyed by it. But now I'm just like, you know what, that was probably a great decision, particularly for me, because I needed accountability outside of myself to get these notes done the day of. And now I know how good it feels when I do. I can come home and not be stressed about it. I can truly leave work at work, which has been delightful. If the agency has these certain rules where there is like a 48-hour time period or however long time period where you have to get case notes, progress notes, whatever it is done, and you know that you might procrastinate or you might not have time until past that limit, give yourself that boundary, right? Give yourself that that time limit where maybe it is you have a rule for yourself you get all of your notes done that day that same day even if it means having to stay a few minutes extra if you have to you know or or things like that but it's hard because we also have to clock out we also have to leave work at work we also have to have balance in our life if we don't want to burn out and so finding that balance can be very difficult but something that personally has worked for me is having that rule getting notes done at the same day and not leaving it to a day later it's also because of memory right our progress notes and the documentation that we uh, complete although it is tedious although it is boring and when we have a lot of clients it is overwhelming 
it is a reflection of us. It is a reflection of our client and their progress and who they are and how they're doing and their mental health. And so we also want to be very careful and very thorough with the documentation that we submit because, I mean, it's a reflection of our work and of who our client is and a lot of the times can be used in situations to make our client look good or bad. And so we want to make sure that we're being very mindful when we're doing our paperwork and that we're being very thorough and accurate. And we cannot be accurate if our notes are late. Even by a couple of days, our memory fades. We might forget a detail that was very important. We might forget to just write something down that's very important. Who knows what that is? Um, But also keep that in mind. Yes, when we talk about documentation and paperwork and social work, I think they're all just like this collective sigh because it is a lot and it is overwhelming. But we also need to remember, right, we're, we're writing about people. We're writing about human beings and the things that we write can be used for or against them in different situations. And we want to make sure it is a strength-based reflection of who they are and who we are as therapists, the work, the great work that we can do. We want to make sure that it's accurate. We want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's just professional and that it's thorough because it is important even though it's tedious and overwhelming and a lot of the times just terrible. (laughs) Um, So I think I'll end there. It's a shorter podcast today. Um, I just wanted to do something a little lighthearted. I wouldn't even say this lighthearted. It's kind of boring, to be honest. (laughs) But I hope you all enjoyed. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any comments or you want to share your experience in the field, whether it's with whatever paperwork or documentation you have to submit, how you get through it. I know some people that work in child welfare, case notes are just tremendous. So please share your tips, your advice, or just comment something random about social work, I don't know, on whatever platform you're listening to. You can follow me at Social Work Bub on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. You can also check out the Social Work Bubble Etsy shop at shop.swb on Instagram and also my Etsy shop is linked below. Um, I provide mental health worksheets and activities for social workers, therapists, um, other people that practice in this field Uh, and my website and blog thesocialworkbubble.com. You can also check out some resources there. I hope you're all staying safe. I look forward to continuing to grow together in this wonderful world of social work. Thank you.